0: This passage kind of wraps up our little time that we've had in, in um, a mini-series that we've been doing, following in the footsteps of Jesus, and we um, had a, a few messages that helped us follow along uh, regarding His time in temptation, uh, regarding His time in going up to the temple for worship, Um and, last week was in in regards to going up to the mountaintop uh, where it's it's glorious and the mountaintop that he went to was calvary and that he died there and that was the the point in time where christ was most glorified where he went to the cross he set his face like flint and went there and gave himself up for us well this this uh event that's recorded in Luke 24, is the morning of. The resurrection has already happened. And now these uh, two kind of disheartened disciples head out of Jerusalem. There's a whole bunch of people in Jerusalem. And they they were two of the travelers that headed off about seven miles uh, northwest out of Jerusalem to this little town called Emmaus. And they're walking along, and a stranger joins them. And unbeknownst to them, it was the risen Savior, Jesus. And we pick it up in verse 13, Luke 24, verse 13, where it says, Behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were conversing with each other about all these things which had taken place. And it came about that while they were conversing and discussing, Jesus himself approached. And began traveling with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, "What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you're walking? It's like after you know you, you read the news or you, you hear the news of what's just happened in, in in Washington or across the world, and it's it's a buzz. Things are happening, and you're discussing it with people. Well, the big news was that." Here's this death, this this crucifixion and the so-called resurrection because these two disciples didn't have it down like, okay, this really happened. They were still kind of, they had the facts down, but they weren't sure, they weren't convinced that he was really risen from the grave. And how'd you like to be this one guy? This one guy, they, they don't name the two of them, they just name one of them. And the one guy they name, how would you like to be this guy that his name is Cleopas? And in verse 18, it says, one of them named Cleopas answered back to him. Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of these things which have happened here in these days? But we, we understand he couldn't really tell who it was. He didn't listen he didn't recognize who Jesus really was. And my friend, that's one of the problems that we have. We don't, there, there's some that really don't recognize who Jesus really is. And that's what we said here. That's what Bill has said here at prayer time. That's what uh, Rick shared at, at At the sunrise service and did such a great job. And that's what we want to keep on saying. That Jesus really, listen, He really died. He was dead. This was not a, a, you know, kind of a, a fake out thing, a magician kind of thing where He knows how to hold His breath and He knows how to stop His heart or something. No, He was dead. And the third day again, he rose from the dead. He walked out of the tomb. And so what we want to understand here, Jesus is concerned. Jesus, here's the resurrected Jesus. He's walking along with these guys and he's concerned about their faith. He's concerned that they understand. And really what we see here is um, some benefits of kind of walking along with these men as they walk this little walk to Emmaus. The first benefit really is that the resurrected Christ reveals a faulty faith. And he just does that by asking questions. He doesn't have to, you know, lecture them. Now, I told you, I was, you know, and he was, you know, he he wasn't lecturing them. He asked them questions and they kind of opened up and shared their faith. And I want you to notice what they say in verse 19. he, He said to them. What things? And they said to him, the things about, listen to this, Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, in the sight of God and all the people. That's what a lot of people called him. They just called him, well, he's a, he's a mighty prophet. Okay? That's what they started with in the, in the description. Then, and how the chief, verse 20, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him up to the sentence of death and crucified him. And now here's a key. If you look at verse 21, you'll see a little uh, revealing of where they're really at. Here's where they're really at. Verse 21, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Kind of like past tense. Well, we were hoping for this, but not to be. And like so many of the other disciples, these disciples were figuring, they're figuring on like an immediate take over. Jesus would set up his earthly kingdom and Rome would be, you know, we could step on Rome's neck. Wouldn't that be cool? That's what so many of, not all, but many of the disciples were after. They're just figuring, come on, Jesus, do it now, do it now. Well, these guys were disillusioned. They were disappointed. And you can see that back in, in verse 17. See that? What are these Jesus said to them, What are these words that you're exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they stood still looking sad. That's what the description is. There, they stood still, and just kind of sad sack face. Disappointment set in. And we must recognize this. We've been warned about this, we as believers in Jesus Christ, that there is a spirit of truth. And a spirit of error. We we understand by some of these symptoms that we see here in these verses. The one being that they they stood there and looked sad. Why was that? They had lost hope. Their hope was gone. They were hoping for this kind of a Messiah, this kind of a Redeemer. Let's do it immediately. But they didn't get that. The report of the resurrection was not, listen, it wasn't on the top of their list. As they reported things to Jesus, what did they start with? Well, you know, he's, he's a, he's a prophet. They didn't start with what they could have. And that's, here's the resurrection. Rick mentioned that this morning in the sunrise service, Jesus had done it three times, three rounds, with his disciples, of telling them of the prediction of his own suffering, death, and resurrection, he told them that three different times. But these these two weren't of the the core tw- uh, eleven disciples, but they were kind of the, on the out, outside circle of disciples, and they were um, heading back home, disappointed, dejected. Okay. But then, we want to keep moving here. Jesus reveals the source of a firm faith. What's, where are you at in your life, in your, in your existence? Where are you at? And Jesus points to us this issue of the source, the, the wellspring of a firm faith in verse 25. And 26 and 27. Look at that with me. Verse 25, he said to them, O oh, foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. So he starts with a rebuke. Ignorance needs to be corrected. And uh, it might be that you don't want to admit that. But we need to admit that we start off in, in regards to faith, we start off in ignorance. And we need to be corrected in that. And he shows us that it's a matter of humility and it's a matter of being open to the appropriate rebuke of the Lord. The Lord gives it. And he, what he's saying there, he says, Oh foolish men and slow of heart to believe. He's he's pointing out that they weren't, um, they're were just uh, th- this issue of the slow of heart. They, they didn't know. They were like, well, we're, we're trying to understand this. And so he points them to what he was saying and what he said all along. Was it not, uh, I'm sorry, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken? And was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter his glory? And then verse 27, and beginning, this is what Jesus did now beginning with Moses, and with all the prophets, not some, but all the prophets, He explained to them the things concerning Himself. Okay? Let's cut to the quick here. If you've got a Bible in your hand, you're holding the book that talks about you and God? No. It's the book, the Bible that talks about Jesus. It's about God. Okay? And from Genesis, you can find Jesus. In Exodus, you can find Jesus. In Leviticus, you can find Jesus. Now, what are they? They're, they're types of what was yet to come. And one of the ones in Exodus, obviously, in, in the book of, well, in Genesis, it's the seed of the woman. Who will crush the head of the serpent? There's Jesus. Jesus is there in chapter one and two. Let us create man in our image. See, it's because Jesus is who? Who's Jesus? Is he a prophet? Well, yeah, he's a prophet, but let's start where we ought to start. He's God. And God came. And offered himself up as a sacrifice so that you might be redeemed back to God. Bought back to God. So we need to remember, what's the source of a firm faith? If you're struggling in your faith, the, the way to get stabilized is to spend time in the word of God. And ask the spirit of God to let you see Jesus here in the word. All too often, we rush to the Bible for a, a quick fixer-upper. <laughs> well, sometimes that happens. But, my friend, you need to go to the Bible asking God to show you Jesus. Okay? So, that's, it's the Word of God itself that is the source of a firm faith. Okay? They needed that instruction. They needed that explanation from Jesus Himself. Well, the last thing that we want to show here, that we want to uh, realize as a benefit here, is once we move on in verse 28 and on to verse 35, we see really the revealing of the secrets of a fired up faith. The secrets of a fired up faith. Um, I think this might be of help. I believe it. it's, it's going to be of help. How many of you know what uh, a floppy faith feels like? <laughs> it might be all too much like the guys going to Emmaus. You know, we were sure hoping for this. Didn't get it. Well, that's kind of a floppy faith. A fired up faith. Here's the, here are the secrets of it. They urged Jesus. Listen to this. They urged Jesus to stay with them. They, they, it was like, here's, here's like the, the idea of a prayer. For you and I, it's like asking Him to be with us. To be here. Abide with me. You know that hymn? Abide with me. And that's what we're that's what we're seeing here from these guys. They're saying, in verse 29, they urged him, saying, stay with us for it is getting toward the evening and the day is now nearly over. And he went in to stay with them. You know, it, you would have figured that the resurrected Jesus had a big agenda. You know, he had to cover some territory here. He had to meet with people and show them he had truly risen. But you know what? He was concerned for their faith. And he's concerned, my friend, for you and your faith where you are at with him. If you hear him knocking on the door of your heart, don't run. Open the door. Revelation 3.20. Open the door and he will come in and he'll have communion with you. He'll have time with you. There'll be that intimate fellowship That's what a fired up faith is all about. All too many Christians are kind of just sitting back, laying back saying, "Ah, I got my ticket to heaven. Ain't that sweet? And they don't have a fired up faith because they're not drawing near to Jesus on a regular basis. They're not counting on His grace to enable them to really see Jesus. And then it says that these guys finally figured it out. They saw Him for who He really was. You know why? He sat at the table and broke bread. Now, some people, listen, some people think, oh, this is is like communion. But let's take it another step. This is really an everyday activity. This is kind of everyday kind of stuff going on they were done with their journey they sat down at the table and they saw jesus take the lead he took the lead and he broke the bread and he shared it with them and it's 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 more about here's the common everyday experiences in your life my friend and they recognized ah here's jesus so it was in the normal common, ordinary stuff of life that the Lord is interested in, in your life, that we would recognize His presence, that we would recognize His power in the everyday things of life. And all too often, we're waiting for the big, huge mountaintop experience. Isn't this great? But here's an example of where Jesus would say to you, it's in, it's in what you do when you walk out these doors. And when you go to lunch, you have time this afternoon and time tonight. Are you looking for Him? Will you not look for Him there in those commonplace times? Will you not see the importance of seeking His blessing in such simple things as having prayer before your meal? Right? Right? But don't stop with just saying, oh, we ask grace for our meal. Don't stop there. And then recognize it was God's gracious work that allowed these guys to really see who Jesus was. And ask yourself. Ask yourself. You know, they said it themselves. After he vanished from their sight, their eyes were open. They recognized him. And He vanished from their sight. And then they said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while He was speaking to us on the road, while He was explaining the what? The Scriptures to us. What kind of value does Jesus put on the Scriptures? What kind of value do these disciples put on the Scriptures? And He rebuked them because they did not know the Scriptures. Because here it is. It's written. Here's the authority for our faith and our practice. And God help us to keep picking ourselves up and keep walking on the, 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 the walkway of faith. Okay? So, we hear this verse that their hearts were burning within us. So my question is, let's ask yourselves this question. Does my heart burn in me for more of his gracious work in my life or am i too focused and i'm too busy about what's going on in the world i'm too concerned about the earthly things well i can understand that if you're not a christian if you're not a christian that's where your heart is if you're a christian why aren't we here more with this issue of, you know what the Lord did. You know what I was able to do with the Lord's help, and then to talk about it because that's what the guys did. After they said this and shared this, you know what they did? They didn't go to bed. They went and left that time, that very moment, and went back to Jerusalem, because they ended up sharing more about what these guys had witnessed. And what did they witness? The the risen Christ. The resurrected Christ. So. This is what a taste of resurrection power ought to be like. We ought to want to abide in him and he with us. We ought to want that more than anything else. and We we should be longing for others to have a sense of it as well. Do you want to share that and see that? excitement level rise in others lives in your family and see we could look at it and say you know well it's just another day another week and life kind of goes round and round and round and it's like where's the hope where is the hope do you have hope is it self manufactured hope Just that you dreamed up your own idea? Or is it based on authority? Is it based on God's Word? And Jesus says, you know what? I came once, and what? He's going to come again. If He came once, and He said, I'm going to suffer, die, and rise again, and that happened, that's what's recorded. And by the way, a respectable medical doctor, Luke... Understood it. And he got it. And a very, uh, dynamic, intelligent scribe by the name of Saul of Tarsus, who was persecuting the church, he got it. He understood that Christ rose up from the grave. He was no slouch. He didn't, he didn't just have some sort of whatever idea. No, he was met by the resurrected Christ. And so, I want that to stay in your mind, my friend. Christ truly is risen. And what have you done with him? What will you do with him? Will you just keep pushing him off? Or are you going to ask for more? That the heart of faith might burn and go ablaze and get get on fire, right? A lot of times we say, Oh, I'm just I'm not that kind of a guy. I'm not that kind of a gal. Really? How come? You're not ablaze for Christ? How come? And stop and weigh that out and evaluate that. Because that's what we have here. This little scene, this little event, that didn't take that long to walk down the road to Emmaus. And so, what's the condition of your faith? Where are you at? Do you have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? Do you look forward to heaven? Or do you hold on to the things of this world too much? And finally, how is your faith being strengthened? Do you strengthen yourself in the scriptures? Or do you strengthen yourself with humanistic ideas? You strengthen yourself with your own thoughts, your own understandings, your own remedies for life's problems. And Jesus said through, the, through King Solomon, He said, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path. That's a path of faith faith in Christ. Don't sit back doing nothing, Christian. Resurrection morning like this ought to shake up Christian's lives to say, hey, has the fire gotten spread in your heart and your life? He cried out from the cross, it is finished. Christian, you and I can't cry out, it is finished and just sit back. You know that? Because his work is not finished in you yet. He has not finished His work in you yet. So don't sit back and just kind of sit around and say, I'm happy, I've I've got my ticket to heaven. That's a false kind of thinking. If you have come to faith in Christ, nurture your faith in Him through the the continual reading of His Word, through fellowship with other believers. Like these guys in the Mass. They went back to Jerusalem, had this fellowship about the resurrected Christ. And then it's also about why are we still here? To shine His lights in a dark world, to be witnesses for His cause and for His glory. So, He's not finished with me yet. We've got to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. And we want to be of help to you in this journey. That's why we've got the books in the foyer. Love to have you take some of those and... uh, Learn from them. So, let's learn of these benefits that we find on the road to Emmaus. And let's remember that He came already. He ascended to heaven. And that first time He came in humility and lowliness, the second time He's coming in blazing power and glory. There's no question He will come again. Are you ready? Are you ready? We're going to sing about it. We'd like to have uh, Noreen come back to the piano. Uh, The choir is going to sing it with us here, and you're going to sing it with us. I hope you'll join in and sing this final song. Let's stand together. called, Behold, He comes. The days of Elijah. Hallelujah. All right, here we go. Behold, Because you knew that we needed a Savior and not a one of us could be fit for being the perfect Savior. Many have tried and many have failed, but only one, the Lord Jesus, completed the work and cried out, it is finished. And then we thank you and praise you for his death, burial, and resurrection. And Lord, I pray that you would help people to see with their eyes of faith, the reality of this truth. The historic event that we have here that was not just another old mythology story, but it's verified. And we see lives changed because of it. And we thank You for that. Lord, help us today to give You honor and praise in the common everyday things of life. And to look for You. And to ask for Your presence. To ask for Your help in our lives. Lord, we need that. And we thank You for this celebration that we can have this day. And really every day of our lives. Be glorified, we pray. Bless our our time with loved ones and family. And help us to keep singing Your praises. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Have a great day.